DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. Shay Bailiff, what's up, man? How's it going? Man, it's going. So, first off, man, we just met. We've known each other in circles for a while, but we just met a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, and um, we were talking at this get-together, and you started tell, trying to tell me a story, and I was like, okay, hold on. You need <laughs> right. to come on my podcast, because this shit's about to get interesting. So, yeah. so I have no idea the context of where this is going to go today or what we're going to talk about. But uh, That's right. You, you stopped me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's get going, dude. Let's, let's jump right into it. So, right. um, uh, you know, from what I know, I know, you, you know, you've been a musician, and you're also now a family man and a uh, business owner, but you, right. you started right out of high school, or and probably before then, so let's just jump into it. What you got? Yeah, um, I started playing music at age 15. Okay. My older brother had a guitar, and he played Dust in the Wind by Kansas in front of me. and That's an interesting that was song to, to catch you. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, if I can, if I can play like that... I'll be excited. So I picked it up, and it was not nearly as fun as I thought it was going to be, but I was just determined to be able to play that song, you yeah. know. So we uh, we grew up in in youth groups at church. And to make a long story short on, on this side of the story, you know, I had one of my mom's friends. She knew that I wanted to play, and she pressured me one night because the youth band, they were unable to perform out there in, at our little church in Stonewall. And uh, so they were like, you, you need to be the one to do it. So reluctantly, I got up on stage, and it was terrible. You know? <laughs> and for about three or to six months after that, it was terrible every week until finally kind of getting a groove yeah. with it. So, But, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the beginning stages of it. And I have a twin brother, Grayson, and he's, he was been my drummer since the beginning on that. And uh, so we started playing in church. Um, we ended up going to Evangel. We, we grew up going to Evangel, went to North DeSoto, then went back to Evangel. And my senior year was whenever we went back. Well, uh, in our class was, I don't know if you know Forever Jones? No. The, the gospel group? Oh. So in our class was uh, Dominique Jones. Okay. And if you look her up, she's a, a Christian artist. She goes by Doe, D-O-E. And so she was uh, like leading the music there. So it was my brother... Uh, me, her, and a few other people doing music. Well, there were also because evangels. They, I don't know if they are anymore, but they used to have exchange students, like thirty students a a year, damn, okay. or something. You know, so most of them were from Korea for the longest time. And then, like growing up, playing like all my favorite video games, Street Fighter, and all that stuff. Yeah. I just kind of got like intrigued by you know the Asian culture and yeah. and things like that so yeah, i think most of the stuff was japanese but you know right <laughs> so but the korean uh culture to me seemed like the most southern western version of asia was my opinion on it. <laughs> i mean know? yeah i mean yeah that makes sense yeah so that was kind of my connection or i guess the the draw for me and so you know i made i became really good friends with a few uh guys and uh, they became like my best friends that year, you know, and I ended up like, man, I want to study and learn how to speak Korean. Like, I'm intrigued. I'm curious, you know. And so I started like studying a few words a night and then going to school the next day and saying it in front of them. And so finally, they're like, man, you, you can pronounce it pretty good, you know. <laughs> so so uh, after I graduated, my same friends were like, man, you know, because they had seen me sing every week. They're like you. If you put a cover song in the Korean language online, like it would be, it it do really well. What year what is this? Thought. This was uh, 2007. Okay, so I mean so, we're still like early stages YouTube. Like yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Because I think YouTube came out. Was it like 2003? Maybe it, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean it's some, somewhere around there because um, YouTube and then you Facebook's right behind it a few years, so it's like. Mm-hmm. Right in that same era is like when everything starts really shifting. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So you're right on Good the you're in the peak of that. Yeah, you're in the peak of that. Well, I remember making a channel and it being like, no, there's no like hit videos. Right. You don't log in and see all yeah, the stuff. No, you yeah. Know? No, no. It's just kind of like, oh, what is this person's? You know, and and there's no high quality no, stuff. Hey, you know, 
It's like it's 340 or 720. Yeah, right. Like, so Everybody's using no, laptop audio. There's, yeah, there's no H, HD anything, yeah. So we, uh, but yeah, so at age 19, at age 18, I made a channel. And then at age 19, oh, I took their advice and uh, like studied the hell out of this Korean song because I wanted to do it. Now, my pronunciation, to me, it seemed good at the time because I'd studied it like, just like the singer pronounced and, yeah. and memorized each word. Because when I do any kind of cover song or write any music, I never like to have music in front of me. I always like to study it and just memorize it so I can just go up there and just give all the energy I well, need so to. You know, to put this in context, so you're gonna you're studying a song to cover in Korean. Yeah, like so you're studying a Korean song and you're gonna cover it in Korean. That's right, but with yeah. your style. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah, just yeah. so so we know. Okay. 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 Right. Yeah. So it's the American butchered version. Right. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I was studying because I learned to read and write it, which to me Korean is easier to read than like Chinese or Japanese because there's only like thirty symbols and you learn how to bundle them together. Um. So I studied that. I, you know, memorized it, put it online, and then like four hours later, I think it had twenty thousand views. Holy shit! And I was like, wow, <laughs> you know. And that was on YouTube, and then there's other Korean video websites like Dom, it's a D-A-U-M, yeah. and Naver. And so on those websites, they were getting like hundreds of thousands of views, you know. And this and is in South Korea. In South Korea, yeah. 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 And I was like, dude, no, this is crazy, you know. So that was my first, it spooled me to death, because that was my first experience, first video I'd ever uploaded. Now, obviously, before that, we had been playing music five nights a week for you know five years and so it's right. not like it's not like it was just the first music performance I'd ever done you know but uh, so it got attention overseas and I had four guys who were with who were involved in the music industry somehow you know I had four guys reach out to me and two of them worked for two big record labels and production companies and then the other two were more like indie kind of small you know, so I went with a small, yeah, <laughs> you know, because I was young and wanted to do, have a little bit of freedom, yeah, you know. But so uh, I ended up going over there. I made the jump. We we released a song in Korean because by then I'd had Pro Tools, and we had like you know a 003 interface rack, and so I could like record video, and he could edit it and like upload right, videos. Yeah, yeah. So we were able to record a song. Like, I just sent him, they sent me all the music recorded in the studio. I'd record at my house and then send it and they'd mix it, you know. So, we released a song, it was, it was called Odyssey in English and Hanghe in, in Korean, which means sailing. Okay. Uh, and so, it, it wasn't like we just hit it just so big immediately, you know. But we just had a good momentum going with the cover songs that we were doing. And uh, so, I went over there and had some stuff set up and then he had like a band arranged some guys my age to go there and rehearse and practice <clears throat> and uh it's weird i'm just kind of hadn't, hadn't thought about this stuff in a long time so, well, so really like, what, it, you know? what year is this this is oh eight this was oh eight oh eight okay mm-hmm. and so now you're literally so you record <laughs> so you talk to some of your forward exchange students they get you talked into doing this cover you do this right. cover it blows up and the next thing you know a year later you're going to South Korea yeah. to yeah. do a tour of this. Okay, that's crazy. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. All right. All right. Cool. And it sounds like such a lie, too. No, like, no, no. It's I, not, I tell no. people, I just Google it. No, I promise you. When you started it's on talking there. about it the other night when I met you, I was like, holy shit, no, don't tell me anymore because yeah. I want to hear this shit all, all right, in real time. Right. So, okay. And it does. It's, and it, there's so many details to it. So I'm, I'm like reliving it because I hadn't told it in a while. So I'm kind of having like flashbacks. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, so I, I went there and he had, the studio set up in uh, Yonshine, which is like a city near Seoul, or it's within Seoul. And uh, so we, you know, we just rehearsed, practiced. He wrote the music, obviously, because if I wrote music in Korean, it'd sound like a five-year-old wrote the lyrics. So he was basically producing, you know, me and to kind of mold me into, you know, a professional in a way. And, uh, and now I write my own music, but, you know... My style didn't fit. I, I yeah. pitched him some of my stuff. Of course, I was younger too, you know. Yeah. But 
So we ended up doing that. We played uh, the Rolling Hall in Seoul. And the, my first show was with a band called No Brain. And they were like a Korean, like, a pretty popular punk band. And uh, so I remember going there and just being terrified. And we had done, I mean, I played in front of people for so long. And sometimes we played, you know, we played in churches mostly. Right. So I wasn't used to, like, the rock scene. But we had played in front of thousands before. Yeah. You know, but this was different because these, the Korean fans are not like American fans. What's the difference? They are like, you don't have to tell anybody to come forward, right? Like, Koreans study, if they could, they have to study 40 hours a day. Okay. You know, the, even the young eight-year-olds, they all have to learn at least one to two foreign languages. And then they have to go to school after school until 9 p.m. Damn. Six days a week. Damn. You know, so if they're out at a show... They're, it's it's the time of their life, yeah. It's like so Rump Springer. They don't care if they know you or not. And so they come up, you know, I feel this energy. And, of course, I've had some people who knew knew me from the Internet, you know, too. And so it was intimidating. Yeah. You know, so I had to get used to that. And, uh, and so after the first show, I was like, man, this is uh, this is awesome. You know, it's like I'm doing something where people are they're digging it, you know. And uh, so we kept doing that. We were recording, getting more momentum. And then SBS Korea contacted my manager, and uh, which they're like a big TV network company. Okay. And so that producer contacted us. They wanted to get us on a show, kind of told my story, like on the news or cable news. And uh, so that kind of got us out there a little more. And then we had the producers of a show called Star King. They reached out to me. And I got on the show with, uh, at the time, you know, there were a lot of the pop singers that were real popular at the time. Right now, I think BTS okay. rules the world. Yeah. But uh, these are guys that I don't know if anybody would know now, you know. But a super junior and, and some of these people were on there. But So we got on there and then... So this is like a Korean like star search, basically. It's it, sort of. It, okay. It, it's kind of like a the guy that... Uh, is the host is kind of like a Steve Harvey version of okay, you know? got you, got so you. he's it's not a game show, right? But you you get random talents on there and they just show what they do, okay? And the, nobody wins or anything okay, like that, you, you know. You, okay. And then they have like celebrity panel on the side and they're kind of they're getting their screen time and right. saying their one liners and yeah. all that. It's really weird. <laughs> so, but uh, so we we did that and then like MTV Korea reached out to us so we were I didn't realize MTV had okay cool yeah which is not <laughs> it wasn't as big as it was in America right so it's kind of strange but uh, so we were doing video shoots uh, music uh, live performances is this all there. within that same year I think so okay. <laughs> I can't remember yeah. so blurry <laughs> well so tell <laughs> tell me this before we go any any further like so what was the culture shock from you being from southern united states yeah bible belt right to going into an entire different country i mean an entire different continent yeah. and then like a whole different civilization and the culture like how's that work golly that's it going there like you don't feel like you're in a different country you feel like you're on a different planet yeah completely like you can't believe they share the same world as we as america does you know so that's how different it was and of course it to to kind of give you a good word picture like after coming back to the states from korea i did a show in manhattan Mm -hmm. or in uh syracuse and went to manhattan afterwards it made manhattan seem laid back yeah you know just the high population well so what's anywhere you want you know what's the layout like so like um you know there's all the the of course, all the press in North Korea, mm-hmm. and then what's going on in South Korea? Like, so how is like the the I guess the everyday like regular blue collar? What does that look like layout yeah. in that area? Well, it is as far as like the visual image. Yeah, you know, you you see Tokyo right, and it's just cram packed right. And as far as day to day living, you know, they get up six a.m. and you just there's a lot of guys that that work for corporations and things like that. A lot of people don't go to work. From what I was observing, they don't get into a serious line of work until like almost thirty. And uh, you just see that these Koreans they work, you know, fourteen, sixteen hours a day, and then every single night they're all trashed. 
in, in the okay. city. They're all okay. just getting, you know, they do all they all the businesses. Like if you work in a company afterwards, you all eat together. Okay, right? and, and see drink the line and, and drink. So together. what do you what do you drink? I mean, you, like so soju. Okay, is like a diluted version of tequila. I guess Damn, you why didn't you bring you some know? of that, bro? I should have. Yeah, there's <laughs> some around here. Shit. <laughs> we gotta find have. that. We gotta find that. <laughs> and you shoot it, but it's not like it's not. It doesn't get you like a shot of tequila wood. Okay, you know, and uh, it's smooth. Okay, but yeah, that that's kind of you know everybody works. They work their ass off, and then. You know, it's it's crazy. Traffic's crazy. Subway, everybody's running into each other, and nobody says anything to each other. And and uh, afterwards, it's like it's, you know, it's just different dynamic as far as people totally interacting different. with each other. They're, everyone's in their own lane, and they stay in their own lane. Everybody, you, you don't like. talk to strangers. That's you weird. Know? But if but if they're drinking, then they do. everyone talks to you. Yeah, okay. you know. So that was the thing. Like culturally, it was so frustrating. Cause so I'm, you can't I'll even have a wall, any, yeah. Man. You can't have a day to day conversation <laughs> no, until you're yeah. into the the nightlife. Mm-hmm, yeah, and then or, by that you time know. you're like people are drunk, so like you can't really have a like. How do you have like? How does business like? How does that work with uh like? So you're going and talking to these. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you have agents that are helping you with all that. So you're like, yeah, you're just okay, yeah, yeah. They were speaking, and of course, I, I learned Korean. Like, you know, my second or third year there, I felt more comfortable speaking Korean. You know, but at first it takes a while. Can you still speak, speak it? I can, I can speak it, not as good. Right. But yeah, I can but still. But you'd be able to translate it if someone was here or mm-hmm. something. Like, okay, yeah. Like I couldn't speak, I couldn't talk to you in politics, you right. know, but I could carry on a conversation. Yeah. But it's like hard to use around here, you know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, but so, yeah, that's that was the thing. Like, so you, for example, these meetings, like when they introduced me to my band, like I'm real open and wanting to be Chatty Cathy. And they they introduce you, you bow, and you, know, you sit in a room, and nobody says anything. And then they wait till the task needs to be done, and then you kind of takes a while to warm up, you know. That's so, so that was, yeah, it's crazy. Well, it's crazy too because like you, you're saying, they don't start getting serious into their their um, career until in their thirties. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you're spending, I mean, they're spending three times, four times the amount. Of education that we are, yeah, and we're starting in careers in our early twenties. It's just crazy to think about. That's like, right. yeah, the talent pool is probably so huge, and there's so much, probably so much competition for you know any type of job with any specialty. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Just to think about that to me is just like insane. Well, you hit that right on the head yeah. because the talent pool. Every musician could play with any national band in America. Here, you know, it's like everybody who plays, they don't just play. You know, they all, every guy that I met that played music, even the, you know, go to the guitar shop or wherever, they could play with anybody. You know, so they all, they, these guys work really hard. And like, I, I thought that I had good work ethic. And I went over there and like, everybody called me lazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, man. <laughs> and so I learned, like, I'm glad the lessons that I learned over there. Yeah. As far as like all that stuff goes, you know, and, they would train me like you miss one note, you're barely off, and they're like, "Nope, stop the take." Like we're re- retracting. So it's got to be perfect, flawless. Yeah. It's like so. There's no art in mistakes, right? At all. Like whereas here, it's like, oh, hold on, we can turn that into something. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no art in mistake at all. But that was kind of rough. Yeah. Let's keep that. Now yeah. They, you know, they want real crisp, but it's just it's a different. That was the other thing. It was like going in a time machine. Like, you go there, you can walk around in any alley at four in the morning, and nobody's going to mess with you. Everybody smokes indoors or outdoors. Like, culturally, they're, I feel like they're 50 years behind us. Yeah. Like, with respect. And, uh, and so, in a good way. In a good way. Right, right, right. And so, but the music, too, right? Like, when I was there, 80s music was like, that's what was it. Nice. You know, that was the. So, the, some of the stuff that's popular over there is. It was popular here decades ago, you know. So, but they re, they got their own twist to it as yeah. well. So it threw me through a loop to figure out how I was gonna fit stylistically because, like, doing a cover and getting attention because you're white, blonde hair, blue eyed guy <laughs> singing in Korean. That's one thing. Yeah. But then, like, figuring out what is your style that fits. That was the other. So, so you're in let's snap back so you're in this you're doing it you're doing these shows what what 
how long does this last and what what keeps what unfolds here like what's significant mm-hmm. that you remember more than anything and like how long do you hold on to it and what all happens yeah well i guess it was a period of like two to three years as far as actually being over there oh, so you were there that long mm-hmm. holy shit okay holy yeah. shit dude like so like what do your parents say i mean because you're like right, <laughs> right. At a, it seems like you come from like a you know close-knit family mm-hmm. like what yeah. do they say like how does that work like and right and that whole transition they they trusted me that I like. Of course, I had friends over there from Evangel, and that was okay. So they went over. You know. They went back, and so you were hanging out with them. I too. was with them. Like okay. I stayed with one with Brian, one of my friends. I stayed with okay. with him and his dad. So they knew like I wasn't just like gotcha. complete loner, you know. But they they I also convinced them that you know yeah. I was older than I was too, yeah. right? And so. Did you put your party party pants on over there? Not not at no, all. No, really, not no. at all. What? That's so, insane. That's the other. From what thing. it sounds like, I, I was like, damn, man, I'm just thinking about how much I'd be partying. Right. Like, that's what you would think. Yeah. You know? Like musician, I was young, but I didn't have. Were my, you just so hyper focused on so hyper focused on doing like you know achieving your goal or whatever? And you, yeah. you didn't want to get distracted because that happens. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. Like I wanted to have fun as a break because these guys have me. Working, which I know is music, but you're working like 60 days yeah. with no no day off, not even Sunday. You gotta, because there's so much to be done. Yeah, you know. So my days, my version of partying was like going to karaoke, which is everywhere. Yeah, but which is Norebang <laughs> is what they call it in Korean. And uh, but no, I didn't have my first sip of alcohol until I was 23. That's insane, man. You know, and, and I came from, you know, we were doing Christian music. We were like worship leaders. Yeah, and so. And I, I'm a Christian still, yeah. you know, but I was like really one of the most straight laced dudes, you know. So I like still felt that pressure to be like perfect, yeah. you know. So being over there, like I just wanted to get as far as I could with it. It kind of came to a head in that, like, I was with a small record company. So the funds, it, it was all dependent on me, like how many shows I could do or TV shows, how much they're willing to pay. So management, in their defense, it, they're managing a new artist. Yeah. But they didn't have like money to just throw to my push way. You, yeah, yeah. And so I had to rely, I only had an entertainment visa, so you couldn't legally do any other kind of work. Um, and so I was doing this show out in... Uh, in Hongdae, which is the the hub of like the music scene in Seoul, I did a uh, live performance for a TV show, just solo. Went out in the street and we set up a speaker, and I was just singing in Korean, and like we had a crowd uh, come in, and it was like a cool little scene. There was this older lady there, and I can't remember her name. She was probably in her like fifties at the time, and she somehow. And this was kind of like at the tail end of it when I was like, dude, I don't know how I'm going to continue to like feed myself. You know what I mean? Like I was, I had lost like so much weight. I was probably 140 pounds, you know, right now I'm 185. That gives you an idea. And so she, I guess she had followed us, maybe kept up with me as far as the music. So after the crowd had left, she went over to me and she said, Hey, I want to help. I want to help you out. And my manager, their manager was beside me, and they're like, "Well, yeah, we, we'd love for you to help us." And she was like, "I want to help Shay out." Yeah, you know. So she connected with me. She took me out to eat, and her and her husband were from Jeju Island, which is like way south on an island in Seoul, Korea, or in South Korea. And so she like took me to dinner one night, and she was like, "I know that you're not doing well." It was it was God, man. I mean, really, you know, and. She said, I want to help you out. My daughter wants to learn guitar. I'll pay you to teach her music. And so she paid me like way more than she should have every lesson. And that, like, that kept me, I don't know what I would have done, you know, because I wasn't going to tell my parents either. Right. Because right. they would have been like, we got to get you get out. Get back. There. Yeah, get back. So finally, you know, it was, and we were doing well. It's like we were getting on. TV shows like I ended up hosting a radio show and stuff like that so like we were doing well but the money's not there in the early stage of your career right even in well any, I mean there's anywhere, so much overhead you know? there's so much overhead I yeah. mean you gotta think like all, and, the, and you're with a small agency that's not 
That's right. Know, they don't have the funds. So I understood that. Yeah. You know, and but I was trying to hustle, get it going, and it just seemed like and these guys were not they were evil, but these guys were out for their they were out for their best interest. Yeah. You know. And so finally I was like, Man, I gotta was their take like way more than yours? Like, I mean, what was that split like? Can you even talk about that? I mean, so their take, no, I mean, we split, I think it was a 60 40. Like, they okay. got 40. Okay. You know, but it just wasn't enough. I was still doing a lot of the grunt work. Yeah. But they were too, you know. It's just these guys were only reliant, like, they're entertainment guys. And they had been like in and out of the business. They were indie. And some of that's for a reason too, you know. But they were reliant on how I could bring money to the table. Do you like? Do you regret not going with a bigger? Sometimes, sometimes I'm like, like, "What would have happened?" I wonder, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. And then me and my wife always talk about. It. I'm like, if I had gone with a bigger label, we would have never met. Yeah, everything <laughs> would have changed. Yeah, I mean, it would have popped so, off, you know. And then, so, so that happens, and you meet that lady, you start teaching her uh, child guitar lessons. Yeah. And then you're still performing, and still so performing. where we go from there? What, what what's going on? Yeah, so then like we had we were doing more stuff for the Korea, uh, MTV Korea. It was one of the biggest MTV events that they had me book for. And I was just done. And I don't give up easily. Yeah. You know, but I was like scraping up change. I wasn't sure how I was going, you know, like how I was going to make the subway trip. Like you know, in the underground subway. Yeah. You know? And uh I told them I finally met with management and I said, guys, I'm, I'm done. You know, and I haven't said their name for a reason. Yeah. Um, and they're like, you can't. You know, they're freaking out. And I just told them, I was like, you guys have not, like, I don't know. And it's this, it's not your fault, but I just, I'm gonna starve. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> what am I gonna do? So they basically were like, we're we're gonna convince you to stay. You know, we want you to stay. And I was just hell-bent. I had a friend over there, a group of friends. Um, most of my friends were Korean, but I made a really good friend with this guy from New York. And he's, he was like, dude, just come stay with me and like figure out what you need to do. And so that night, I decided, I was like, I'm going to get, I'm leaving. Okay. And so I went to uh, my apartment to get my passport, and it was gone. Oh, shit. So they already knew you were planning that shit. Yeah. Okay. So I had to lie to the police and tell them that I went to a club and like lost my passport, gave this sob story. You got that street smart already though. Yeah, I mean yeah, you know, yeah. it's like okay. survive. Yeah, hell yeah. And so they I went to the American American Embassy, they gave me a you know, I was able to get another copy. And they told me at the American Embassy, they said this stuff happens all the time. So like, they're like damn. trying to trap people in there and keep and, them. And there. not like, that uh South Korea's like one of the most we're, we're allies great right right you know they're like one of the best countries to go to yeah but it's just foreigners in any country in the entertainment business that's really what they were getting at you know like foreigners coming in they deal with these entertainment agents and some are good and some are bad you know as far as the country in South Korea it's amazing yeah you know but in entertainment just like in America you can get wrapped up with anybody oh yeah man it's, but they told me they're like this this happens all the time we see guys coming like coming to do music and so I went over uh, came back to America your, oh, but, but hold on so oh, like what's your guidance on all this so like how does that unfold so you go so you go back to your apartment okay yeah. how, first off how do you know it's shady <laughs> that's what I want to know so right. like, we're not talking about the nuts and bolts of this shit yeah. like, so how do yeah. what's the shady operation of all this shit we're not mentioning names so we can talk about that yeah right? yeah it just well first of all like they just first of all and you see this a lot in in uh and we watch I know we watch UFC yeah all the fighting you see this a lot with guys that get recruited yeah they recruit you and then they want to change you completely yeah and so that was my first frustration I said dude you, my voice is raspy like that's how I sing like you want to make it real clean I made I, look but first off I, I made hits like this this is what they yeah, like, like so why would attention. you want to change it yeah. And then, so that was one frustration. And then it slowly, it was like, they wanted to pick apart everything I was doing and then like never allow me much freedom to go out, to be with friends. And me, my version of going out was mild. You know, I go out right. and like, 
you know, I would prefer to go out once a week just to get my sanity, you know. But they just they're feeling the pressure. So like you know, well, but they're, they're, it can't. If all came, so on you're my not back, living you know? with them though. No, so I live with friends of mine at right. first, but oh, at first, yeah, and then I ended up living with, with, the, with these guys. Oh, yeah. so that's where shit got okay. Because constantly, like, just you're doing this wrong. Like you ain't walking. You don't walk oh, right. You don't okay, like they're just trying to like manipulate you into something where they're okay. Here's our cash cow. Let's yeah, completely control yeah. you. Like to yeah. down to the way, like literally that I walk. You know, so well. How much did you buy into that? Did you like in the back of your mind? You like you say, okay, I know this is bullshit, but I'm just gonna play along. Or were you like buying into it at first because you were young and naive and a little like, bit of both? You know, because I mean, like yeah. we're all like you go to a, somewhere it's completely a new culture. Yeah. So like, how yeah. do I how do I pay to play? Like, how right. do I figure out what what line do I need to walk? What do I not need to do? You know, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it was kind of like conf- confusion. Yeah. I would say more so than anything because there were things that they say were true. Like for example, if you put your your feet on a table, like that's rude. Elbows on the table, that's so rude. Don't put a knife in your steak and leave it on there. Like just little stuff like that. Yeah. And then you have to use formal speech when speaking to Koreans. Those are all standard stuff. But then they would get like micromanage the way I was doing things, and they're like, "No, you're, that's rude. Like you don't want to." Well, I started getting around other older Korean guys and like. You know, people who are grandparents and all that, and talking the same way that I did, trying to be respectful, and they're all like, "Oh my gosh, like come, come have a drink. Like, don't yeah. talk to me in formal speech. Like, yeah, talk to yeah, me. Yeah. You know." I was like, "Man, maybe I'm getting sold on as harder than it should be, kind of thing." You know. So it was a mixture of that, and uh, and then one night, like, I can't tell you if this is a dream or not, but like. I got really sick over there, and this was during H one N one too, so okay. it could have been that, yeah. you know. So the, this COVID right now, I feel like I'm reliving it because like everybody was wearing masks, you know, and like I'd walk up, to, I didn't wear a mask, I'd walk up to people and talk to them, they'd be freaked out, yeah. you know. So it's like a like reliving it almost. So I got really sick, and then uh, one night I woke up and my producer was like standing over me, like just looking at me. And I was like, I couldn't tell if it was a dream or not, you know, because they're so exhausted sometimes. And I, and after that, I, that was I don't know. I was like, I gotta I gotta leave. Yeah, you know. But it was it was a combination of years of the build up, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, man. So that lady helped me like get out of there. You and know, she, like, was she, <clears throat> she was Korean. She's Korean. Her husband was Korean. Yeah. And uh, Do you still have contact with her. No, I haven't. Have you like tried to look her up or reach out or anything? I, I guess I could maybe find her from old emails, yeah, or something. I should, you know. And she was old. I mean, she was probably could have been like was older than my mom, you know. And I was like, man, I don't know what these people do. Well, come to find out, I think they do that. That's kind of their thing. Like her and her husband are, were well off, and then they help foreigners. You know who are in trouble. Oh, okay, really? You know, so it's so. like okay, so it's like a, we would call it you know like a little nonprofit here. So it seemed to be, yeah. 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 And so after that, so that oh, whole fiasco boy. happened. You're going through all, yeah, because we let that all like, like a little dark shit, there, man. Let's man. talk about all this shit. So like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so the, you have some psychological trauma early on in your music <laughs> right, career. Like, right. I mean, it doesn't. It's not insane, but at the same time, it's like you have people trying to manipulate you early, on, which happens to a lot of young artists. I mm-hmm. mean, we yeah. see it all the time. So. Early on in your career, you hit, and you have all this psychological trauma and all this manipulation. Right. And eventually, you get fed up. Yeah, exactly. And so, okay, yeah. let's go back to, we're at the embassy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like, what led you to the street smarts of going there and, like, talking to those, like, so we're, like, yeah. I guess, did you go through that whole process going there? So, you knew that was where you needed to go and talk, like, how did that work? Oh, yeah, as far as, like, being sneaky like that? Yeah, yeah. Not really. I mean, I just, like survival mode kicked in okay you know and then of course i did have like some i was getting some advice as well from some friends okay right on do this do that you know and then i was in contact with my parents my mom was like you need, you need to get up this time here's when they open go this route so she was doing some research as well and uh but also just i just knew that if I, the only way to get out of this was i have to lie and con my way out of here because they're so like they had such a grasp like knew where I was at all moments do you feel times. like do you feel like you were like do you feel like a sense of uh, in, 
endangerment? Like, or do you think it was just like it could have got that far? Do you think this is like early steps of these people were like shady and something could happen to me? Yeah. It was that early. In a way. Okay, yeah. I don't think they would, but I don't I don't know. Yeah. You know, and then like the fact that they my passport vanished. Yeah. It's like, dude, this is kinda different. Yeah. And uh and then my thing was I told them like at least at the end of the conversation, I, I forgot about that detail. When I told him, after I told him I was finished, I said, "At least let me go to America for six months." And they're like, "No." I was like, "Dude, I mean, that was in my contract. I could go if yeah, I wanted you've to." Been there how long? I've been there. I mean, I had gone, I had come to and from. Okay, uh, but so I was been, able okay. to get my visa renewed in Tokyo though, because it was an hour flight. So yeah. by that time, I hadn't been home in a while. You know, because the first first trip I came. Tested it out and then came back and renewed my visa in America. And the second trip was like I was there, you know, for a while. So then you could, I was like, I'll just go to Tokyo. I don't want to, you know, I just fly an hour, get it renewed, come back. And, uh, but yeah, no, that was the thing. Like, so they had set up this big show. And then some of my friends, I'd start, started to become friends with some celebrities over there, some Korean celebrities. And they were like, man, they, they made me feel so normal. Like, dude, really? This, really? they feel so they, good about it, you know? Why? Because they were like hyper. hyper they had gone through the same stuff. Yeah. You know? Oh, they're like, oh, no, it's no big deal, man. You got to do all this. This is what you got to do. Well, some of them were like, yeah, some of that's normal and, and they're dicking you around. Yeah. You know, and these some of these people were pretty famous. And I was yeah. like, okay. Well, like, what do I need to do? They're like, whatever you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dude, where have you guys been? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, I ended up like, Kind of finding some normality, like a group of friends who were Korean, and I just realized like what normal was and and what it wasn't. And then, and then in my manager's defense, like because of the stuff that they taught me, like today I still use all that stuff with recording and technique, like how to how to do things the right way. So I'm I wouldn't take it back. Yeah, you know all the stuff that I learned. It just it could have been easier. Yeah, right? you know. And so, yeah, the icing on the cake for me, like, leaving was, um, and I wish I could give names, but one guy I talked to said, well, Goopity is, well, I just said the guy's name. There we go. He said, uh, he said, your, your manager, he wants you to stay. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, he does. Well, he said, well, then he should have made sure you were happy. Good point. Good point. I was like, man. Yeah. All right. So now I felt good. You know, yeah. I can leave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so, so you roll out. Yeah. That's it. Leave it all behind you. I roll out. The way that I did it, I did it in style, man. I, I got up 3 in the morning, snuck into the studio, like into his studio. Or no, how did I do that? No, I got all my stuff the night that he had scheduled a really big MTV annual TV show, like Celebration. And we were going to be featured on it. Yeah. <laughs> and he said... We got this. Like, you can't leave. Like, at least wait for this. And I was like, okay, I'll wait for this one. Waited for him to go to sleep. Got all my stuff as much as I could carry. Snuck out of there. Went to a buddy of mine's apartment. Snuck to the embassy. Got everything renewed and snuck out of there. And made management look like complete asses. Yeah, because you were featured on there. You didn't even show yeah. up. But I was like, I can, this is my. Sh- Chance. Does that void your contract with them? Like, well, they voided whenever they they didn't allow me to go back. Okay, to the states, so they voided it. Know? So, what what what's music royalties like and all that? How does that happen? Like, is it like here? How does that play out? I think it's similar. So, like, like how long did you continue to get money from any of this, or did you at all? Did they cut nah, it off? They cut it yeah. off. Yeah, but it wasn't much, anyways. You know, right. like it was more so the the brand of me being like. White dude singing in Korean that was what, getting what, momentum. Who, were you, you branded know? as you? Like, that was, yeah, it was Shay. Shay, okay. And so, like, I was getting momentum as a person, and the music was more so like it wasn't on the radio, right? You know, oh, so it was okay. like a, we were underground. Like, if I would have stayed, I, I'm sure it would have been bigger, you know. Right. But I just knew, like, but for the sake of your sanity and everything, yeah, else, yeah. you know. And then yeah. I, I, I write music, and I always had since I was 15, and. It was killing me not to write music too. 
But the biggest reason was like, man, I, this is – I'm not going to stay here. And uh, so I came back immediately, hit up some friends of mine, obviously Grayson and Michael Brown and Jacob McGarry, who I went to school with. And I was like, I got a full album's worth of music. I want you guys to to be in the band. Let's record and let's just hit it all the way. Because yeah. I was still in my 20s. Yeah. And so we started Shalif. And this is like, you know, you're all in. This is the only thing you're doing. Yeah. yeah okay. That was it. Working part-time jobs. Just, yeah. you know. And so we did this, recorded, writing music. We practiced like four times a week. Eventually we were playing like four shows a week for years. And just kept making albums and, and getting a lot of momentum. And uh, we started getting on some bills with some bands that I was like, man, that's freaking awesome. You know, like the first one was, was the Toadies. Yeah. Called us, and then it was like 303, Framing Hanley, uh, The Fray. Yeah. You know, and um, a lot of bands. So we started getting like national acts, you know, shows with nationals here and there. And then we would play out of town. We did a lot of traveling. We'd come back to Shreveport and play a show, and everybody would be singing our lyrics, you know. And I was like, this is way more fun for me. Right. Than being like on TV or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know? And so we kept doing it, and we still do. We're, we're older now, dads, and own businesses, and so I'm, I'm not touring, but I still got the disease of if I don't write a song, it's gonna right. eat me alive, yeah. you know. So well, so what? So what's it like? Like from from going to that whole thing to where you're a celebrity and you're hanging out with celebrities in, in South Korea to coming back here, and then you, you become a local celebrity. But like, mm-hmm. how does it? Do you? Do your fans there still listen to this new music here? How does that work, or or did it completely yeah. shift to where they didn't follow you? Like, how does that work? It no, they still kept kept up with it. Okay, you know, not the like the diehards did, right? They still followed it, and I still continued to do Korean covers, and I did like one with the band, and we put it online, and and so we still. Well, I still wanted to do Korean music because I was like, "Dead gum, I studied this language yeah. for so long." Yeah. But I'm just more into playing, you know, American music. Obviously, the style is just that's what I want to do. Yeah. You know? my, initially, my goal was to do exactly the way that I do music, like alternative rock and roll, exactly the way we do it, just singing in Korean. That's what I was going to ask. Like, yeah. so how did that never happen? I it just that was my goal, and I just allowed it to. You know, I should have been more like a punk and just yeah. Because like, I feel like gonna, I feel like you, know, you could have capitalized, like went over there and capitalized so. on that and just had your own thing. You yeah, know? like because I was gonna, I don't want to yeah. I don't cut you off, but I was like, okay, you're doing these covers, but you have your own sound, and mm-hmm. your alternative, and your you have a very unique sound. Your band does. It's like yeah, if you would have implemented that, you know what I mean? Like, I know. Hey man, I, I think about it sometimes. There's like, ifs, there's ifs and everything. What if? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Never too late. Mm-mm. But the thing that cracks me up is getting back from Korea, like. Two or three years after coming back to the states, I used to go to Kangnam all the time, which is in Seoul. Okay, and like I'd hear the Korean music every day, and I always thought, and the Korean music's fine, you know, it's fun, but I always was like, this stuff will never make it in America. Yeah, and then that song uh, "Opa Kangnam Style" yeah. like, just hit the charts yeah, over in the states. Blew up. What year was, was like, that? Like, 20, was that like 2012? 2010? 2012? Yeah. Maybe? I don't know that. Yeah, that thing blew up. <laughs> Isn't it weird? And so now you got BTS over here, and then you got the lead singer of Coldplay, yeah, doing a Korean song. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Like I guess I was thirteen years too early. I guess you know. Dude, hey man, <laughs> I mean, still though, would you ever yeah. go back? They have, have to pay you, me a lot you, of money. Have you been back? I hadn't been back. Okay, no. So, okay, I was kind of nervous because I'm a foreigner. Yeah, and I I left. In some people's minds, under contract. Yeah. So I but don't know. They voided your you know? contract. From yeah. What it sounds like. I mean, you were like saying, "Hey, I want to go home. Right. I will come back. Just let me go home for a little while and refresh." And they're like, "No." I feel it, but it's so different. Like, if you're not Korean, and it should be as it should be. You yeah. know, and that was one thing I respected about the country is, like, coming over there over there as a foreigner, I had to prove myself. I didn't just come over there and I was hot shot. I had to learn they the language. You, they made you earn your key. Yeah. And They're like, no, you're not going to come over here that. and just run around and get the red carpet laid that's out right. for you. You're going to earn your key. Yeah. Like, it's a thing well, to I mean, be admired. That's, you that's know? a good thing, too, because you, there, uh, you talk about all the worth ethic there. So, I mean, yeah. they're like, okay, you're going to earn, you're going to do something before we just like mm-hmm. let the reins go here. That's right. 
Yeah, so that's a weird scenario. But I mean, at the same time, man, you don't know what kind of underground, underground Korean mafia shit you may be dealing with or whatever. Know. You know what I mean? Like that's what yeah. it sounds like. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I think all the loan officers are you know in the mob somehow. You yeah, know? <laughs> so, yeah. So that's the running joke over there, you know. But yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a good experience. But I did I, I appreciated that part of the culture of. I'd be around some guys, and a lot of people do want to learn English, so they're really friendly towards Americans. They're not, like, snobby. But you could tell, like, once I learned to speak Korean that I was in a whole different world after that. Just different okay, respect. So just accept you, you know, more. Okay. They could understand me more. Like, if I did something that was rude, I was speaking Korean, they just didn't give a damn. Because they are like, man, that's funny. Yeah, we understand that you're, okay. you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of opened up a door for that, but yeah, man, it's a strange thing I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I know we were talking about it when I fir- when I first uh, hung out with you the other night. I was like, dude, holy shit! Like this is what's so unique, and the thing that like the biggest thing is like we all know people that have talents or good at things, but like when you take a whole other culture on, like. Mm-hmm that early on in your career and then you come yeah. back and make a whole nother shift like it's just insane to me that you know you've been through all those strides and now you're just a you're just you're just playing for fun really i mean you're <laughs> right. not are you right. are you seeking like what do y'all have coming up like what are y'all doing do y'all have an album coming out what's going on yeah we released an album right before covid okay and then during covid we recorded two songs and we're about to record another one okay so we're met, we're recording another album and the way that we do it, it just takes five years you know, I don't like to rush songs, so we're always writing music and performing at like the shows that we want to do. Um, you know, and so I'm not like pursuing fame anymore. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that's you know? yeah. I didn't want to say it in the, in the like on the wrong term because it's yeah. like you you've already seen all that. Now it's just like you're doing what you want to do. We are, and we could, and obviously we still never like my version of achieving a musical career we we never did right because my version of that is you can play music only and and pay your mortgage yeah. you know so we never got to that point which that would still be awesome so we that's still, still a good living if you think about awesome. it yeah. yeah so i still have the bug and in the back of our mind if the right thing came across of course we would sit down and talk it through and see what it is but at the same time i'm not like if I didn't play music back then, I'd be unhappy. Now I'm happy, and I'm also happy that I can play. Yeah. And we push it as hard as we can. Like I said, we're still right. We still want to get like these big shows and still stay on top of our art, you know. But it's just, I don't know, I guess it's just like the dad vibe took over or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you're married, kids. You. So what age did you get back? Uh, to the States? Yeah. I guess age twenty three, and that's when you started drinking. Right? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Back here, I'm like I need to fuck a fucking drink, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bottoms up, man. Cheers to that. Yeah. All right. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. The first album we did, we recorded sober. The Here We Are album. Yeah. And the second one, Why Don't You Like Me, we just indulged in booze the entire album. And you can hear it. It's, a, it's more. Uh, it's more angry. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So man, it's. You know, then we connected with Jackie Brock and, and Josh Johnson whenever we got back. Yeah. They reached out and just wanted to see what we we're doing. You know, so Jackie got us plugged in on some of these national acts. Um, the first one being with the Toadies and then Dax Riggs, which not a lot of people know Dax Riggs. And so he kind of, he would give us some stuff. And uh, it was like starting over coming back here because – we played churches here for so long and everybody knew who we were in the church realm. And then in the rock scene, we were young and we looked, we looked like we we're probably 15, you know? Yeah. And so the sound guys were rude and then they, and then they get nicer. <laughs> like, okay, I'll bring a crowd. Were you playing like warehouse and stuff like that? Yeah, we yeah, were. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. That's, yeah. For anyone <laughs> right. who's listening or watching, who's not local, like, we're, you know, we're speaking all these local scenes here. Like warehouse was the only place to play rock music, you mm-hmm. know? in the late 2000s basically it's not existent yeah. anymore there's really the venue i mean we have a new venue here <laughs> where right. we're sitting at now but like other than that man there's not a lot now like, and the rock scene's weird now it's it's very it's very weird like it had so much momentum i feel like between i feel like between the 60s and the you know like 
2000s like there was so much momentum and shift and change in the rock music and now it's just like man no one's putting anything out that's you know you know what I mean that's taking off and and no, no one's getting weird. behind it. You know what I mean? Like it's not that's not good music. It's no one's getting behind it. Right, right. Yeah. What happened? You know, I don't know. It's strange. And and we felt that coming back because like if we we were like Radiohead meets Kings of Leon. Yeah. And that did not fit anywhere here. Yeah. At first, but we got a crowd. You know, we got a. It took a while. It took like four years for people to understand. <laughs> but I know it's it's like Bojax is doing. They're doing the right thing. I feel like they're trying to recreate something. Oh yeah, man! This venue, you know? this venue here, Hurricane Alley is going to be amazing. Um, yeah, I think. I think what's going on is like, well, Shreveport used to be Shreveport, Bossier. You know, this area of Louisiana used to be known for music. Yeah, I mean, for the longest time, and it just fell to the wayside between, I guess, 2010 and 2020. I mean, it really That's did. Right. You know, so now, now it's like, okay, we got to get that back going again. It was weird. Like, when we came back, Tragedy was doing their last show for a while. Yeah. And so that was kind of the time. And Strange Brew, Joel managed Strange Brew at the time. Kitterland. Yeah. And uh, so we played there, and he really was excited about it. And so he promoted us. And so that kind of became the, the spot was there. Well, yeah, that was like know? the last safe, safe hold for mm-hmm. for that music for a while. You know, if yeah. you think about it, because it's like, you know, Tragedy had... I guess you were gone, and they were holding it down over here. Yeah, I guess you know so. what I mean. Like, because what was it? Soundstage was was yeah. the thing for a while, right? But yeah, that was ooh, that was early, man. Yeah, that, that was, was early. Back. How, how old are you? <laughs> how old am I? Thirty four. Okay, so I'm thirty two. Yeah. Okay. About to be thirty three. But yeah, that I, that was an interesting setup and yeah. venue there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. I, I've heard a lot of good things. I've never been there, you know. But yeah, that's that's kind of what we're doing, man. And it's I'm back to like. You know, being a Christian, like I feel like I'm a Christian in a rock band. So, not not perfect, but I'm doing stuff that I like to do. Right. And so, like, if I want to write a song about Jesus, we have a song called No Ordinary Man. And it's funny, growing up, we tried to write music that wasn't so obviously gospel-oriented. And then uh, we get in this rock band where we're drinking all the time. Yeah. You know, and obviously, I'm a little more straight-laced now, but... We were partying so hard, and I was like, "I want to write a song about Jesus." Yeah, and so it went really well in the in the bars and clubs, you know. So we write a song about that, or kind of whatever we want. And that's the beauty of of this right now is everything in my brain I can get out, you know. So maybe if I would dumb it down, we get you know, <laughs> hey, no, get man, further. Look, dude, your art is your art. That's the, yeah. that's the thing about it. Like, especially when you're micromanaged at such an early age, like it's like, man. The fact that you come back and just, you know, let all that go and just be yourself. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the that's the winnings right there, you know. And then, I mean, yeah. Then yeah. you create a family, you know, and have a successful business now. You know, like that's fun, man. All those things are like, and you still doing what you love. So I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I don't see you know? any, you know, I don't see any downfall anywhere. Like, no, no, yeah. It's, like the best thing you can do is sneak yeah. out of there, bro. You know, what I mean? like, the joke I make, like guys, if we if we wrote songs of four chords, we'd, we'd probably make it. But. <laughs> But yeah, no, then we like, we got uh, this band, Goodbye June, they play, that's how I met Layton Allen, was he was managing the Brass Monkey for a little while. Yeah, I remember when he had that place, we used to go up there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, he got some good music over there. Yeah, he did. I mean, but there's no support here. I mean, I Jack, I've known Jackie for a long time, and I remember Jackie hit, hit me up, and I think Layton had the bar, and then after that, Ryan and them were running the bar, or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Jackie was like, you think so-and-so would do good here? I was like, hell Yeah. He's like, yeah. should I get them? I'm like, hell yeah. But I'm thinking like, I'm saying I'll enjoy it. That's but right. Is anyone going to show up? Probably not. This area does not support. It's so crazy. Like I, I went know. and saw Gary Clark Jr. like three months ago. Oh, yeah. Any yeah. Anywhere else. Anywhere else in the United States, you could not get a ticket. Right. You would Good not packed, be able to get in that sure. venue. This venue was, we were at the municipal. On top of yeah. that, like someone like him, who's an amazing artist, shows up to this area that's historically a you know, so mm-hmm. famous for Elvis and everyone else who's played there, Hayride and everything. Yeah. You would think it would be sold out and busting at the seams, man. It was it, half it full. I'm like, really? And I, yeah, I told my wife oh whenever my we got gosh. tickets, I was like, we don't need to get in a hurry to get tickets because it's not going to sell out because no one, they don't understand. Like, it's like, there's no, I don't understand if there's just, like, that? there's not a pool of people here that like real music. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not dogging on country and Western and all right, that, like, and right. all that, like, but like, there's not a good blues scene here. There's not a good rock scene here. There's I know. Not, you know, there's just, I don't know what it is about it, man, but it's discouraging sometimes. So I can see, you know, where all that mm-hmm. falls into place. And it's like, 
in in your genre, it's it's like that right now. You know? Yeah, but it's revitalizing. Yeah. So I feel it. Is, it. I yeah. feel it, man. We're just stubborn. We're just not going to change dude, you the shouldn't. genre. Yeah. But I can't believe that about Gary Clark. I didn't know, dude. That. No, I, I was. Yeah, Layton was there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, shit, that's man. crazy. Yeah, golly, and he's like, and he's phenomenal. Such a. He, I mean, he's and he's still crushing it. Yeah. I don't. I can't. I don't get that. Yeah. I know I don't Jack know. White typically does well here. Yeah. You know he does. He comes around. Yeah, he does good. But yeah, there's so many artists that come through here that like, and there's so many artists that won't come through here. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. saw this. Well, I saw this on the comedy side. It's another thing of comedy here. We don't support comedy that way. No, so like, not if at you all. look at stand up comedians, there's a lot of amazing stand up comedians around the United States, mm-hmm. and they just pass this place up. So I saw Gabriel wow. Iglesias um, probably six or eight months ago, and he ended up playing at the, um, which was the Brookshire's Arena now. It used to be Central yeah. Link. But um, he was playing there, but they cut half of it off, and it still wasn't sold out. Wow. And he was talking. Dude has an, uh, dude has a sitcom. I mean, he's a yeah. fucking multi-millionaire, like amazing comic. And but he was talking about six or eight years ago, he came through and played at the municipal, mm-hmm. or you know, did his act at the municipal, and it literally like a hundred people showed up. Whoa! And they were, and he was like, "I'm so glad y'all figured out who I am, and you came out to this show." But like, still, that should have been busting. It seems sold out. If you get a, you know, if you get a Garth Brooks concert here, it's you know, you be. can't get, you know, it's so crazy. So it's just like, it's not. I just feel like we're, we're um, in this area. We're culturally like just now getting, you know. To be a melting pot, it's just yeah. taking a while. You know what I mean? It's getting. It feels like it's getting there. Yeah, it's, it's getting there now. It. It's getting out. But for the longest time, it's just like, dude, we I didn't know. support anything other than just this or this. You know, it was like only the top ten stuff. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw Cat Williams four or five years ago at the Strand. Mm-hmm. You know, no, 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 it was, no, it wasn't Cat Williams. It was um, Kevin Hart. Oh, really? Yeah, four or five years ago, maybe six years ago. No, he should have been. Right before he really blew up, he should have been sold out Century Tale here. Know. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was at the Strand. I'm like, what? It's so, it's odd. It's a different town. Yeah, and for people who don't know that, that's a really small venue. It's a really intimate venue. Yeah, the Strand is, yeah. that's the thing. Like, Have you played there? No, we did the, I think that's where we filmed our Red Leather Jacket video. Have so you, technically, I haven't actually performed there. Have you played at Municipal yet? We played the municipal. Okay, how did that yeah. feel? How does that feel? I want to like I, I always want to ask an artist how that felt. Like, how does that feel to walk on that stage knowing yeah. who's been there? That was actually or did, did it even get you? Did it even bother you? Or it did. No, I thought it was so sick because that was right after I got back from Korea, and that was American Tragedy's like farewell show. Okay, and it was at the municipal. Yeah. So to me, first of all, I was playing the municipal, and then I had never met the guys from Tragedy. You know, I grew up listen to them in high school and they were like you know what I'm saying like everybody talked about them and so that part of it and being in that building combined that was pretty cool yeah the sound is weird it feels weird up there it's very different as far as the it's, acoustics it's, and everything yes yeah, distinct it's a good it's weird it's, yeah it's like I like you it have a, you have a slight yeah. echo I don't know it's really weird it's it, really it's, it's kind of like uh, uh, the Shreveport Opry have you been to those yeah it, it reminds me of that yeah you know so it's, it works like it's really acoustic stuff that we do over there. Yeah. So you don't even need a monitor, but a full band just be weird, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, no, that's 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 crazy though. I just I've, I haven't I don't think I've ever even asked anyone that like that's actually played there because it, mm-hmm. when when you see artists come through they 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 appreciate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you go backstage and you look at things, and even if you're just someone who's you know just attending. Right. And you go and you know use the facilities and everything, just moving around. You're like, man, this yeah. is like not much has changed. It feels like I'm still 1950 or 60. You know, that's true. Like they've kept that. Yeah, whatever. You know, I don't know if they've ever redecorated it no. or not. You know, no. no. <laughs> and a lot of people appreciate it. I know that that was the one cool thing about Jack White coming into town because he really he like stopped at one point and was like, y'all need to realize like who's played here and what you have at this venue. You know, and then he like kept to the next mm-hmm. song. And yeah. I was like, man, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we ended up doing that and um, we met Goodbye June. They're a band through Layton's venue. And they ended up, our bassist at the time, Jacob hung out with them all night and they were like, hey, you got to come to Nashville to record with Paul Moak at the Smokestack on, on Berry Hill. Okay. And so we ended up recording some stuff up there with him. And you go up there and there's just like, we're right across the street from Peter Frampton's studio. Yeah. And nobody gives a rip. 
Yeah, because it's so everybody's so mellow. Well, well, yeah, and everyone's chasing something, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they're yeah. not they're not basking in the moment. They're too head down. They're focused. focused. Yeah, they're yeah. Fo- I mean, I get it, but I, I've talked to people like I've had people on the show and talked to people like in Nash, like um, Wild Cody was on the show a couple, oh, nice. a couple months ago, and he just actually moved to Nashville, and he has yeah. a different he has a different unique sound. I'm like, well, that's mm-hmm. a good area for you because it's like. I don't even know what to call that. It's a mix between rap and outlaw country, you know, whatever. But like, yeah. but there's so many people there. I was talking about that, and I we went. I'd only been in Nashville once. I took my wife there for a birthday. I thought it'd be somewhere cool to go, besides just going to Dallas, you know, like everyone mm-hmm. does. And um, there's so many amazing artists there, amazing, there just playing cover music, right, in these bars. And I'm just like, God, I'm listening to this different, distinct sound. Yeah, and then these people are like. They'll play an original, and you you hear a complete shift in sound, and the band changes, and they go to cover, right. and it's just like I'm just like man, there's and so like can you like they I want to they want to you know they want to keep playing the original yeah just to think <laughs> but no one yeah. wants to hear the originals because they're all drunk you know and like so what was that anyways sorry I didn't that's go to that, ramp yeah, but what's tricky, that like yeah. what's that like there did you did you play any bars in Nashville while yeah, you while you're cutting uh, records or what every time we go there we usually are recording at the smokestack okay so a friend of ours from Keithville Brennan Hapgood. Um, he started recording like my YouTube video and, and audio and things like that. So he was like really into producing and recording. So he went with us to the first trip in Nashville to Smokestack. Fast forward to now, he works there. Okay. And so every time we go, we record there with Brendan. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's going to pick up or not. The Carl Oh, well, matter. someone's breaking in the car outside. Don't worry about it. But you guys know Daniel Smalley. Yeah. So he, he had me, uh, do some co-writing at his studio. I went there a couple of years ago. Okay. So we did some co-writes and then we performed at a bar and it was like originals that night. But it's people like him were strategic. What bar was it? Oh man. Like were you uh, on um, three, four, two, four, twelve or something like that? Okay. It was a, num- a number. Okay. I forget what it was. But it wasn't like the Hot downtown Nashville, right, right, where right. all the musicians go. Right, Nashville, right. You know, well, like, so, so so the first that's night, the difference. That's what I was yeah. going to talk about. So the first night that we were there, we went. To, I can't remember the the name of the the main street in Nashville. Whatever the name of it is, I can't think of it right now. Um, but you go down. Street, and what, what is you, it called? I, I know I'm right. drawing a blank right now. You go down there, and it's just like literally. What is it, Josh? Josh, come. Broadway, Broadway, yes. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> right, so um, Broadway. Yeah, you go to Broadway, and it's just like bachelor lit, like. Exactly. And everywhere and everyone's yeah. shit faced and you're like, Well, I found this. We were walking by and everything was like not look, I love country music and I really respect like mm-hmm. any yeah. artists that are playing anything right now that can survive in this industry. Right. Um, because it's extremely cutthroat because it's ever changing because of what we have <laughs> so much access to stuff yeah. and we change so much of what we want to take in. So like Walking down through there, and I'm just hearing these people play the same hit stuff as we're walking by bars. And oh, I no. walk by something, and I hear someone playing, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the song, but it was a rock song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit, we're in Nashville, and someone's playing rock music. <laughs> I feel like an outlaw. Let's go in here. <laughs> right. We duck in this, this place. Strange. <laughs> and um, the, the girl is the girl is a lean singer. Uh, it was like Monty and the something. I'll have to look her up on Instagram and give her a shout out. But nice. um, we, were, we were listening to him play. And then we're, we knew they were, we were going to be there for another night, and we had had enough for that already. And we were half lit. We were like, we've had enough of this experience tonight. We know we're yeah. going to. She was like, she's like, we're going to play at this rock venue down the way. And she she announced the name of the uh, place venue she was going to play. We looked it up. And I was like, oh shit, we're getting into like the nuts and bolts of nice. like the artists here and stuff. And so yeah. the next night we visited the rock venue, and we didn't even touch Broadway or any yeah. of the tourist stuff. And I, I got to feel some real talent because there's multiple rock bands in there playing and stuff. Right. So it was just really right. interesting, man. That's the place. Yeah. yeah. There's a place down there. And of course, I went there to because the second time or last time I was there, Goodbye June performed at this venue, and I can't remember the name of it. Maybe the same one I went to, man. But there's I know there's multiple, but it it's but there's uh, there a, there's two few, of the main ones. Yeah, they're they're, like they're right blocks away. Yeah, they're a few blocks away from Broadway and all oh that. yeah yeah. And then these are like all originals, you know. Yep. And so you find these pockets, and and they're packed out. You know, that's yeah. that's the one cool thing about Nashville is rock music, I guess. And and as is in Korea and other places that I've been, rock music is not the most popular music. No. And uh but and and that was a cool thing about Korea and Nashville. They're gonna have a crowd though. 
you know what I mean, whatever rock bands are playing. Yeah. Like, they're going to, the original bands that have support are going to be packed. Yeah. You know, just won't, might not be as much as the country artists. Well, do like you that. have any, like, as we sit today, because we're what, like, 12 years from then? Mm-hmm. Like, we're, do you have any support? Like, do you still, do you have any contact with any of your Korean friends? Do you talk to anybody? Do you get any, like, input from there at all right. with your current music? Like, I still get comments on YouTube videos because I've okay. had that channel for 15 years now. Yeah. And so I still get, like, I'll upload a video and I may have a Korean fan comment. And then there's one guy, um, is, is Janku. He became a fan of me at, we, whenever we did the MTV shoot. So he's kept up with me. Okay. You know, so we still keep in touch. And every now and again, I'll talk to some friends. But I noticed as far as, like, People keeping up with it. I notice on YouTube, I'll get comments in Korean and people are like, "Hey man, I, st- I still love your Hong Hei song." You know, because my producer, like I said, he was writing the music. You know, and I was singing. They're like, "We love your your music over there." You know, when are you coming back? So it's still, still it's spaced out more. Still there. I'll get it like I yeah. did. You know. Yeah. But there's still. Uh, I just wonder because when I was there doing that, it, they looked at me like I had three heads. Yeah. Like, why are you over here? Why do you even speak Korean? Right. Whereas now, it's trendy. Well, so you know what I mean? Would you, so, would you remake that song? Could you remake that in English? So I did, you actually. Cut? Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah I, did, I did two okay. versions of each. Okay, cool. So, well, how did that go? It uh, this, Some people like the English version better, right? Because they're like, man, yeah, you're... We can hear your accent, and it's yeah. it's, uh, it's bothering me. Okay. <laughs> they're like, so we want to hear the English one. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> you know? So, but, but you, the Korean stuff did better on typically. But you cut it over the. And you're t- I'm talking about then you cut it. Yeah. But would yeah, yeah. You, would you recreate it now? Not for the states. Okay. Because the style it just doesn't fit, you know. And I'll send you some of the music, and yeah. you'll see it's yeah. just it's just it's not I don't know it's not not there enough. Yeah. <laughs> Well, look, man, we're over an hour now, and uh, we're gonna have to do this again. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. But no, dude, I'm so excited to uh, to hear this, and I think everybody's gonna like it. Is there anything like before we close out? Any plugs you got? Anything you want to give a shout out to? Anything like that? Yeah, let's see. We're playing the balloon rally with Lanco the 25th of okay. this month. Okay. And uh, speaking of country artists, right? Where's, playing, where's playing that gonna be? At? That's in, at the Brookshire. Uh, is it the so Brooklyn Civic be in, Center? That's going to be in, yeah. So that'll be in Bozier, City yeah. of Louisiana. Yeah, okay. in Bozier. All right. And then we're playing with a, a really awesome '90s rock band, and I'm not allowed to tell you who it is. Uh, October the sixth at the Revel. Oh at, shit! Okay. So, okay. So we got that. We're recording a new song that's uh, it's called Right Side. So that'll be released in the next month or two. Okay. So I got on on your show at the right time, man. Awesome, dude. <laughs> well, look. I had a great time, man. I'm glad to hear your story. I think everyone else will be too. I had no clue about any of this, you know. Like I (laughs) knew who you guys were, but I hadn't. I didn't know the preface of any of this. So, like, just to hear all that just puts everything in perspective. And cool. I'm excited to see what comes, bro. Hey, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. Enjoyed it.